Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So just when you thought that uh, death-dealing Republican policies uh, couldn't get any worse, the health insurance industry is basically a giant parasite stuck to our backs, and one in five Americans are now in collection because of medical debt. The pandemic is not making it any easier. Now we're getting mind-boggling new information about criminality associated and cover-ups associated with the poisoning of the residents of Flint, Michigan, the state where I grew up. I've spent a lot of time in Flint. Jordan Cheriton is on the line with us, a CEO reporter with Status Coup, S-T-A-T-U-S-C-O-U-P dot pub slash U-S, but also a contributor to The Intercept. And this piece was published over at theintercept.com today. His uh, Twitter handle, by the way, which is how uh, we first got in touch with each other, is at Jordan Cheriton, J-O-R-D-A-N-C-H-A-R-I-T-O-N. Jordan, welcome to the program. Give us, first of all, just a, you know, if you could real quickly, for people who might have forgotten or might not be up to date, what happened in Flint, how it happened, if we can do that in like less than a minute, and then, uh, uh, you know, what the shocking information that you've uncovered and that you're reporting about right now. In a nutshell, there was a privatization effort, which is going on all around the country, to privatize Michigan's water. As a result, Flint was temporarily put on its Flint River, which General Motors and other uh, companies had been dumping waste into for a century. The state did not mandate that the proper chemicals were added to the water to prevent lead and other heavy metals from leaching off the pipes. That led to lead poisoning, in addition to a waterborne bacterial illness known as Legionnaire's disease. Uh, This toxic water went through the pipes for 18 months. Residents started complaining in the beginning of those 18 months to the state, the city. They were ignored. Finally, then Governor Rick Snyder uh, shut it down 18 months later, uh, but the damage was done. Uh, A lot of people died. Uh, A lot more people have become sickened because lead poisoning uh, increases uh, as the years goes on, the effects of lead poisoning. Right, and it's devastating for children. Uh, there was a, just a huge report published in the, in the science journals last week about the, they found that exposure to lead as a, in childhood actually causes a change in emotional temperament. It makes people crankier later in life, turns them into curmudgeons or worse. 
Uh, so this is serious, serious, damaging, life-changing damage that, that was done. So what has Michigan done about this? And are they going after their former Republican governor, Rick Snyder? And what have you learned? Yeah, in a nutshell, it's been a bit of a mess. There was a three-year investigation under the previous attorney general. He was a Republican. Uh, our reporting indicates uh, they had concluded they were going to charge Governor Snyder with misconduct in office, uh, willful neglect of duty, and they were building a case against him towards involuntary manslaughter. They were they were all let go and fired by the new Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel in 2019. She restarted the investigation. Um, that's a whole other story. And in January of this year, uh, Nessel and her prosecutors charged Governor Snyder with a misdemeanor. Uh, our reporting indicates uh, Governor Snyder perjured himself to Congress. Uh, he knew about the deadly Legionnaires uh, disease that was spreading through Flint's water uh, 16 months earlier than he told Congress. Uh, and this story that we just broke yesterday, uh, we found out that top officials in Snyder's administration, including his press secretary and officials at the health department, uh, erased their phones were erased shortly before the launch of the Flint criminal investigation. Uh, in other cases, their whole phones weren't erased, but all the messages on them from 2014 all the way through October 2015, that was the exact that was the entire period Flint used the Flint River. Those messages were mysteriously missing when prosecutors got their phones. Obviously, makes it difficult to investigate who knew what when if phones are erased and messages are missing from the crucial period. So it was on the Flint River. Amazing. I'm also astonished that the Republican AG was willing to go after uh, the Republican governor with felony or former governor with felony charges. And the Democratic AG is just charging him with a misdemeanor. Any insight into why that might be? Yeah. So the Republican attorney general had shopped it out to a special prosecutor, kind of like the Robert Mueller of mm -hmm. the Flint water case. Mm -hmm. uh, that special prosecutor and his team there was some politics involved. The Republican AG shut them down on doing things like executing a search warrant on the governor. This Republican attorney general just happened to be running for governor <laughs> to replace Snyder. So there was definitely politics involved. But by and large, they had a lot of rope to go after Snyder, other top officials. And from what I found and is in this story also, Governor Snyder refused to hand over documents, key documents, including his daily briefings uh, for three years. So this original investigation was kind of investigating with one hand tied behind his back, uh, their back, but the attorney general wouldn't let them do what normally you do in a criminal investigation, uh, issue search warrants, seize devices. Uh, but they were given enough latitude to, they concluded they were going to charge him with misconduct in office. They weren't ready to charge him at the time that they were fired uh, mm -hmm. with involuntary manslaughter, but many sources uh, that were, were on the investigation uh, we learned they were building a case towards involuntary manslaughter. That's been independently confirmed by other Michigan reporters. This current attorney general, it is kind of surprising because uh, she and her team decided to do a one-man grand jury, which is very rare. It's when a judge decides uh, what charge, who should be charged and what to charge them with. It's a secretive process, so we don't even know. We don't know yet what evidence uh, this current administration presented to the judge. We don't know if the wipe the erased phones, the missing messages, Snyder's refusal to hand over documents. We have no idea at this point whether that was presented to the judge 
who decided to only charge him with a misdemeanor. We just don't know. Yeah, this is absolutely fascinating. We're talking with Jordan Cheriton about a piece that he just published at TheIntercept.com. Title is The Cover-Up, Wiped Phones in the Battle for Evidence in Former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder's Prosecution. So uh, if we look at you know what's going on with the prosecution of some of the people involved in January 6th, a lot of them have wiped their phones and thinking that that would foil investigators and block anything. The FBI has been able to simply go back to the phone carriers and say, give us the records, which apparently last for decades, if not longer. Has the Michigan Attorney General or the, has this uh, one-man grand jury been able to go to the carriers and get this information and recover it, number one? And number two, in the, you know, with regard to January 6th, it looks like a lot of these people are just doing it because they think, hey, you know, this I destroy the evidence, so I got to do this. But there are, uh, there are, are some indications that in some cases th there's actually an organized effort to destroy evidence, and that is a criminal conspiracy in and of itself. Is there evidence of a criminal conspiracy to destroy evidence, or is this merely, you know, individual players? So first of all, it wasn't just the individual players. Our reporting indicates that department heads asked them for their phones. They handed it to department heads and in some cases never got them back. And when they were asked to hand in their phones was October 2015. Why that's important. That was when Governor Snyder in Flint held a press conference finally after ignoring residents for a year, acknowledging the water was toxic and announcing they would move Flint off the Flint River. So it was soon after that that environmental department officials' phones were allegedly dumped off in IT, uh, wiped clean. We, we obtained emails about that. Uh, and that's that October 2015 period, top health department officials, their phones mysteriously the first messages come up after October 2015. Everything pre-October 2015 wiped. As far as whether uh, those messages were able to be retrieved, the short answer is we don't know because the attorney general and her team won't answer any questions about that. Mm. What I do know is on oath, the Snyder's press secretary uh, told prosecutors that she didn't have it. She, she doesn't recall, shall I say, if there was an iCloud backup on her phone, which is a government official, you should have backups on your phones. Other uh, state officials and former state officials in the IT department uh, told us that, you know, back then it wasn't as easy. I mean, this is six, seven years ago to forensically go back and get destroyed messages and things like that. Hmm. Uh, technology has gotten better since then. So, uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know if the message is retrieved, but what I do know is uh, if the evidence we have that there was deleted messages or raised phones, that's tampering with evidence and obstruction of justice. And the question, the obvious question is, how does all this go on without the governor knowing about it? Yeah. The former Governor Snyder you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Jordan Cheriton, the contributor to The Intercept, CEO and reporter at statuscoup.pub.us. On Twitter, Jordan Cheriton. Jordan, thanks a lot for dropping by and, and filling us in on this. Absolutely. And for your audience, we're on YouTube, too. Status quo, C-O-U-P. Great. Thank you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. On the line with us is California Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents the 17th District of California in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's a vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. 
Uh, his website is Kana, K-H-A-N-N-A.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Kana. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Uh, what's on the top of your mind here? Uh, anything in particular you want us to know about or, or be attending to? Well, Tom, thank you. I uh, did a, a live stream this week with uh, Senator Sanders, and we were just discussing the reconciliation bill, how transformative it will be. I mean, uh, we have universal coverage for preschool, child care, uh, fully funded community college, expansion of Medicare with dental, vision, hearing aids covered, bold climate crisis provisions to have a massive investment in electric vehicles, renewables, uh, and have a clean energy standard. And that's just the start of it, paid family leave. So we need to get out there what all is in that reconciliation bill and how important it is for the progressive movement uh, to get that across the finish line. Great. Do you think that it's going to get past Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema? I do. Well, you know how you've uh, known Senator Sanders a long time. Usually he can, you know, it depends on his mood. Sometimes he wants a conversation five minutes, uh, 15 minutes. This was scheduled, our live stream, for 15 minutes, and he kept going and going and going because he wanted to talk about the bill, and I'm sure yeah. uh, he was equally excited with you. I, I do think it will uh, uh, get across if as long as... Uh, we mobilize as a progressive community and say uh, this has to be uh, the bill. It's already a compromise. I mean, we started at $6 trillion. Uh, this is the compromise. This is what Senator Schumer agreed to. And we ought not to be focused so much on this bipartisan deal where, where the goalposts, the Republicans keep mo moving the goalposts, yeah. and focus on really delivering for the American people. So, the, the, uh, if, 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 if I may, the the so-called bipartisan bill, it looks like most of the what you might call hard infrastructure, the roads and things like that, have been shifted over into this bipartisan bill that's being negotiated with the Republicans. And it sure looks to me like they are doing exactly what they did with Obamacare, where they just basically strung Obama along for a whole year and dragged it out and dragged it out and got all kinds of concessions. And then in the end, not a single one of them voted for it. And it, it looks like it's that same bad faith thing. So if that is the case, if my suspicion turns out to be the case, is there going to be a way to add that hard infrastructure into this reconciliation package? Or do you get another reconciliation package? Or what do you do if or when the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the other billion roughly uh, you know, fails because the Republicans are, are just playing you guys, you know, playing rope-a-dope with you? You're absolutely right, and uh, it will be added. That was the agreement that uh, uh, Senator Schumer, Senator Sanders came up with. It would be added. Obviously, it would be tweaked in some ways. For example, one of the things the bipartisan bill does is uh, they don't want fiber uh, to rural. They are fine with having copper wires because you've got telecom saying they don't want to upgrade everything to fiber. So it will be the money will be included but improved in, in a reconciliation bill. But it, obviously that part has to be included. And you're absolutely right about the rope-a-dope. I mean, what is a deal if you don't have the pay-fors? And if the Republicans are going to reject the low-hanging fruit of a pay-for, which was let's just have the rich uh, pay the taxes they owe, not even raising their rates, just pay the tax you actually owe, and they're not even willing to do the enforcement. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to get any pay-fors if your starting line is we're not going to enforce the code and we don't want to repeal the, the Trump tax cuts. Yeah, this, this, I mean, they've been playing this game for, for uh, well over a decade, and they've gotten very good at it. And it's just it's the, the whole Lucy football part of it just makes me insane. Uh, that the, that uh, at least the Democratic leadership in the Senate keeps falling for it. But, you know, what can you do? Anyhow, you want to pick up some phone calls here? 
That would be great. Okay, let's do it. Maria in Nogales, Arkansas, you are on the air with Congressman Kana. Hi, Tom. It's Nogales, Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it's a border town, as you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we suffered economic damage beyond repair. Our downtown, once lively and active, has turned into a ghost town. As a result, um, there are few to no job opportunities for our community. To add fuel to the fire, Doug Ducey took out the extra $300 in unemployment benefits, and now people have to survive on $200 a week. And I'm one of those people. Ouch. Um, so what's your question for Congressman Kana? This is, yes, this is the question. I think this is unfair and unlawful. Do you think Arizonans should have access? I mean, do you think Arizonans should have a case? Do you think Arizona have a case against Doug Ducey not granting us our federally granted monies? If so, what can we do as citizens to fight against this class warfare? Great question. Thank well, you, thank you. Thank you for that eloquent statement. Uh, thank you for hanging in there. I know it's hard, hard times, and appreciate your uh, resilience. Uh, you're absolutely right to be appalled. I mean, the Congress, we passed these benefits because we knew people like you who had been out of the workforce uh, needed help. Uh, now, I've not met a single person who's out of a job uh, who doesn't want to get back into the workforce. The challenge is that it's not easy. It's not easy when you've been out, when uh, you've had a whole pandemic, when you've had a shutdown, when you now have the rise of the Delta variant unpredictability. And that's why Congress said we were going to give an additional $300 a week to every American. We didn't say, oh, we only want to do it for the blue states. Uh, we, we said we're going to do it for the states that voted for Donald Trump as well. Uh, and for governors, for political reasons, to deprive you of benefits that the Congress has approved uh, is outrageous. And I don't know the law uh, well enough in this area to know whether you have a legal case. You certainly have a moral case. Uh, but it's an interesting idea about litigating this, of a governor denying uh, citizens of their state uh, what Congress has offered. Nancy in Woodland, California, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Uh, yeah, I just had a question. Um, is there something Congress can do to make Medicare Advantage programs stop calling themselves Medicare? Because their ads and everything are very misleading, and um, they, make them, uh, they make themselves sound like they're part of Medicare, and they're not. And as I understand it, it's, it's actually detrimental to the original real Medicare. Nancy, I appreciate the question. I, I don't think a show goes by on uh, on. Uh, uh, this that we don't get a question about Medicare Advantage and uh, the problems with it. And usually people realize the Medicare Advantage problems when they actually get sick. It looks it's fine uh, until you have, unfortunately, a catastrophic illness, and then you realize all the things it doesn't cover. Uh, I, whether you call it something else, I definitely think uh, you need to have far more disclosure and far more auditing, uh, because right now they're not getting they're getting away with a lot with a totally unregulated uh, place and 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 a lot of uh, abuse because of that. Norm in Tampa, Florida, you're on the air with Representative Kana. Hi, Representative uh, Kana. Uh, this is Norm again. I'm a pharmacist, dentist. I write the blog called "You're Within the Norms." Dot com and sir uh, I just last week went to a, there's a, the CDC has done a tremendous job in terms of the vaccine but sir there's a part of the CDC that really needs to be shut down and that's the portion that deals with the opioid guidelines and these guy I went to a conference yesterday with the CDC and sir we our, our group came back we've never seen such an incompetence in terms of these guidelines that are poorly designed and they want to update them 
people are committing suicide because they're unable to get the, the Medicaid. People with chronic, intractable pain, sickle cell anemia. Unfortunately, these guidelines never included these kind of people, the people that had these suffer from these type of diseases, and now they're classified as drug dealers and, and dope addicts. And we want to know as person on sits on that oversight committee, sir, and you can see this on our back, that we need hearings investigated. I call every I like to I like I call every time you're on try to get in and call every time you're on here. But sir, we need some action here because people are dying and committing suicide and the C D C opioid work group is not paying attention. And these people came in begging for these guidelines to be changed. And this is a job of the FDA, not of this CDC opioid work task force. Well, thank you. Thank you for your passion. I remember your call. And, you know, Tom has followed up with me on this issue because there's so many uh, listeners uh, of uh, this program that raise it. Uh, I agree with you that the balance has gone uh, too far in the other direction. Uh, and I have raised this with Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney for the oversight. I also uh, will look into seeing if we can do uh, at least a letter with colleagues to the CDC and, and see if we can get some greater accountability and balance. It is an issue. Hugh in Seattle listening on KBCS. Hey, Hugh, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. About your H.R. 3775, the bill for, uh, that will help expand uh, health care reform by giving waivers to states and just how that's going to help us have a, a national or perhaps a state-by-state -state meaningful health care reform program. That's as you might be aware, in 59 cities, tomorrow is going to be a march for Medicare for all uh, across this country to help enlighten people of the current status of how dysfunctional our current health care arrangement, dare say, system is. And can you just explain to the public briefly how your bill, H.R. 3775, is going to help pave the way perhaps in a state-by-state -state method, like the Canadians did in Saskatchewan in 1947. Well, I was going to say that you're obviously very well informed on the issue. Uh, what our bill does is allow states to use their Medicare, Medicaid funding in order to do a single-payer system. The challenge that Vermont ran into when they tried to do this is they weren't allowed to use a lot of the federal money, and it's impossible to cover everyone if you're not allowed to use some of the federal money. So what we say is as long as you're covering uh, everyone, you're going to universal care, as long as the standard is at least as high as Medicare and Medicaid, you can use that federal money to have a single-payer system so you don't have multiple networks. And we believe this will allow states to succeed in doing a single pair. Uh, I hope our state, California, the state I uh, am from, will take a lead. If we can have a big state like California do it or a couple states do it, then just like Saskatchewan, you can see other states adopting it and putting pressure for finally getting Medicare for all. Larry in Los Angeles, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Hi. I recently had a conversation with, um, with Tom regarding uh, COVID-19 vaccine lottery. And soon after we had that conversation, several states actually implemented a lottery for uh, getting more shots into people's arms. And last week, I think one of the networks stated that it was um, those uh, lotteries have caused a increase in 40 percent uh, more shots into people's arms. My question is, um, shouldn't the federal government start a lottery? And I'm talking about a really big lottery and something that could end on Super Bowl Sunday. 
where um, where we'll get a lot of publicity, and it'll reach all of the red states uh, and, and get more shots into people's arms so we can get rid of this virus in America. And then we take on the world doing the same thing later on. Larry, it's a good idea. You obviously uh, were correct in predicting it for the states, and I, I'm happy to look into it for a, uh, the federal government. We need all the creative ideas we can get to, uh, to get more people vaccinated. That's our biggest challenge right now. Congressman, we have 20 seconds. What can the federal government do other than publicizing how bad the situation is with the Delta variant to encourage more of these people in these red states to get vaccinated? I think we just have to uh, continue to, to tell people that we're not out of the woods. Uh, we have this dangerous uh, combination of people thinking we're past the pandemic. Uh, at the same time, the Delta variant is spreading rapidly. Our kids are still unvaccinated. Uh, and we need as many stakeholders uh, doing it. I mean, I, if, if Sean Hannity finally saying uh, maybe that the vaccines are worthwhile, more, you know, we need to embrace anyone who, who's going to give that message. Yeah, step by step. Thank you. Congressman Ro Khanna is with us. His website, Khanna.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Khanna. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Mike in Bailey, Colorado, you are on the air with Representative Connor. The whole issue about converting to electric cars, we're kind of hamstrung in that when you look at what the industry itself is looking for to make them a viable product, the price, they're looking for a price range in the 30000 range as an average. Then you've got the charge, uh, the charge distance and rate at a charging station, which right now I think Tesla's in the 250-mile range. But when you look at the charge rate, it takes a half hour for the speedy type of charging unit to charge them up to what they're calling 100%, which ends up actually being around 85%. Uh, and then what are these people going to do for a half hour while it's charging at a roadside uh, charge station on a highway? Uh, the last thing is the cost for the charging units for a commercial charge station is astronomical. Why aren't we also trying to get the petroleum industry to, to push for hydrogen conversion of our internal combustion engine auto industry. We've got literally a couple hundred thousand certified mechanics that could be converting uh, collector cars, for instance, uh, to run off of hydrogen. I got and it, we do have Mike, safe well, let's let, let Congressman uh, kind of answer your question. 
Mike, I appreciate that. I'm uh, open to looking at hydrogen. I don't think that we ought to have just one path. I do think that uh, the issues you raised with electric vehicles are challenges, but as we get uh, more sophisticated research and development on batteries, uh, including uh, fully lithium-ion batteries uh, and a lot of that development on that, I think you're going to have batteries that last longer, that that cars that don't need to be charged as often, and uh, the cost of these EVs will come down. But that said, we should do that plus uh, look at hydrogen, and we need an uh, all-of-the-above approach to the climate crisis. Don in Maplewood, uh, Minnesota, you are on the air with Representative Connor. I wanted to uh, bring to your attention, since you're of my age vintage, that Trump is remarkably similar to a character called Captain Queeg in Kane, the Kane Mutiny, uh, in which he always finds everyone around him disloyal as he rolls the metal balls in his hand during the trial. So, Don, what's your question for Congressman Khanna? Uh Do you think uh, Trump is mentally unbalanced and incapable of being a rational human being? <laughs> Well, Don, I, I, you know, psychiatry is beyond my, my knowledge. What I will say is whatever Donald Trump is, he, he has done tremendous damage to American democracy. And I'm less concerned with his personal well-being than the, uh, what he has done for our public well-being. And he has violated every norm. Uh, he has violated laws. Uh, he has uh, diminished our standing around the world. And I guess my concern is how did 45 percent of the American public go along with that, and how does he still retain such support? Congressman, we just have 30 seconds. Uh, Donald Trump, it turns out, we learned yesterday evening, has raised $75 million this year. It's going into what's called a leadership pack. And he can basically use that money however he wants. In fact, he's using it for travel and living expenses and meals and stuff like that, um, rather than to save the republic. Um, is Congress does is Congress giving any consideration to changing the rules around these packs? Yes, there needs to be. Uh, first, first of all, I think they shouldn't exist. I don't have a leadership pack or don't take any pack money. I mean, I think they're subject to abuse. But we need to certainly have far more oversight and uh, making sure that they're not being used for personal expense or, or uh, expenses that are outrageous. I mean, these are often raised by people giving five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen bucks. Uh, and uh, they need to be, you have to be accountable for those donors, just like you're accountable to shareholders if a company raises money. There you go. Dale in Harmony, North Carolina, you are on the air with Congressman Khan. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I would like to know how a farmer go about getting justice whenever uh, lawyers say that our case is, uh, they smelt gub cover up on it and, uh, FBI does not investigate anything in agriculture unless USDA invites them into it. And I've turned the most information in in the Food and Drug Administration on this they've ever seen. And uh, this all relates to the poison of our dairy cattle. And uh, we haven't been able to get justice on it. And uh, district attorneys has said that this is a case where politicians would have to dance before anything would be done. Dale, are you saying that your cattle are being poisoned by a, by a product that you're buying that should be regulated by the federal government? Oh, yeah. It should have been regulated, but it was only passed and approved with short-term studies 
to help the wet milling industry dispose of uh, toxic byproduct back into animal feed there. And doctors and researchers and all said they'd like to help us, but they fear retaliation from this. That's the reason our case was dropped by the lawyers there. Let's get Congressman Connors' thoughts on this. Well, Dale, it sounds uh, awful what has happened to you. If you write to our office, uh, we can put you in touch with your own congressperson, and I think you have to get your congressperson involved so that they can inquire with USDA and with law enforcement what is happening. And uh, if you were sold a product that uh, ended up uh, killing cattle or uh, having a devastating impact on your livestock, and if that wasn't regulated, then that's something that the federal government needs to act on. Catherine in Santa Cruz, California, you're on the air with Representative Kana. Oh, hello. Sorry, I'm here. Wow. Hello. Um, um, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, just asking briefly, what um, stops, what are the obstacles to Canadian-style health care being implemented in California or in the nation? What are the biggest ones? Well, Catherine, uh, we discussed this earlier where Canada provides a model with Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatchewan when they uh, had single pair and then it was adopted uh, uh, across the country. Uh, we can do the same thing here in the states, a state-by-state approach. But the obstacles are the pharmaceutical companies, the insurance companies, the hospital associations. I mean, there's a lot of money uh, in private health care. Tim in Matawan, Michigan. Hey, Tim, you're on the air with Congressman, uh, Congressman Kana. Hi, Roe. Everybody out there has got a cordless drill. Why don't they make batteries exchangeable on cars and they wouldn't have to deal with it? Don't tell me that they couldn't do it because they're too big because they do it with shipping containers. I'll take my answer off the air. I mean, if there is a way uh, to do it uh, and uh, if it makes sense, I'm, I'm all... Uh, for that. I mean, in general, I back something called the right of repair, which means that uh, you should be able to fix these products from companies. Right now, companies don't allow a lot of the products to be uh, replaced or repaired. Uh, But I agree with you that uh, to the extent we can have interchangeable uh, parts, uh, that's uh, that's better than having uh, proprietary parts in many cases. And uh, if the technology allows it, I think they should we should explore it. David in Las Vegas, you're on the air with Representative Khanna. Yes, um, Representative Connor, um, should we be concerned about, say, um, say some faction in the Capitol Police coaching up the um, people testifying early next week in the uh, Capitol Six investigation? You know, in order to uh, delegitimize the uh, investigation. David, uh, I think that would be a uh, a very foolish thing for anyone to do, to try to coach a witness. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be vigilant, but given the national scrutiny that this has, given the uh, priority that this is going to be, uh, I I would hope uh, that uh, the Capitol Police, anyone would have more sense than to perjure themselves or to try to obstruct justice. Kathy in Valparaiso, Indiana, you are on the air with Representative Connor. Hi. Um, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Representative, do you have any information or any insight into when travel might be open uh, for British citizens to come to the United States? 
Kathy, I don't know. We have a friend whose mother was uh, visiting from the UK, had to come through some other route, uh, came legally and was asking the same question just about a week ago. Uh, and I think it's all dependent on uh, uh, the Delta variant. I mean, unfortunately, some of the modeling I've seen shows that we may have a peak uh, in in October or early November. And, and if that's the case, we still have a, a long haul in, in this country. So, uh, I don't think we're going to see many of the restrictions start to ease uh, while Europe and while uh, the United States are dealing with these new variants. Norma in Montgomery, Alabama, you are on the air with Representative Khanna. Uh Hi, guys. Um, I just heard the guy talk about battery packs, and so I thought I'd let everybody know. I watched a uh, documentary on Link on China in which taxis drive into what looks like a car wash. A robot comes up under the car, removes this very skinny, large battery pack off to the side. Another robot comes in, sticks another skinny, expansive battery pack under the side of the car, and they drive off and they pay for it just like you'd pay for gas. And that's all it takes. Wow. No, yes, we don't have that here. We what is the documentary called? Or, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree. But look, this is why we have to have massive investments in innovation, in a new battery technology, and figuring out uh, how we lead. I mean, China, as you know, leads the electric vehicle market. It's not even close. And when you look at what the European Union is doing, which is putting an import tax on carbon emissions, our competitiveness depends on us figuring this out. Otherwise, we're going to be shut out of all these international markets uh, if we don't figure out how to lower our carbon emissions. So it's not just about the climate crisis. It's about being able to compete in a global world under these new norms that uh, that places like the European Union are adopting. Eric in Seattle, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Hi, uh, Congressman Khanna and Tom. this is uh, regarding a, a caller or in the previous hour that mentioned something about the Democratic Party's uh, need to do a forensic analysis on uh, on on how they communicate uh, our values to get people uh, to um, to get people to um, to um, vote or you know to get more people onto the democratic party but i I think that the forensic analysis is really unnecessary because uh bernie sanders twice had the message and 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 he was uh prevented from from proceeding into into the nomination of president so i don't think we need to do a forensic analysis um and and more so getting the democratic party to to align itself more into a, a true populist message. Well, what, are, what are your thoughts about this? Mark, I'm obviously biased. I co-chaired uh, Senator Sanders' campaign and supported him in both of his presidential runs. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Senator Sanders is a very simple message, and that is that we have to help ordinary working-class, middle-class Americans. We have to make sure that they have health care and education. We have to tackle an environment that the government needs to be working for people, not for wealthy interests. And he's willing uh, to, to fight for that and to be bold about that in a way that appeals to people's emotions and people trust him, that he's going to actually be there to help their lives. And I I think if we had that kind of bold message as a party, uh, that is not just morally right, but it's uh, the politics that uh, resonate. It speaks to people directly feeling that government can matter in their lives. Yeah, I think Bernie carried uh, West Virginia in the last primary by what, like something like 25, 30 points? 
huge uh, amount. And I and his his message cuts across uh, race, religion, class. I mean, it's something that is uh, that, that is inclusive. Doesn't mean that he overlooks class, I mean, race or gender, but that he uh, understands that uh, we have to speak to everyone's basic needs, which aren't being met. Yeah, amen. Will in Garberville, California, you're on the air with Representative Connor. Hello, Congressman. I'm concerned about the Global Coalition for Digital Safety, which is being put forward by the World Economic Forum, and it's a combination of government and big tech um, monitoring the Internet and removing harmful content, including harmful opinions. To me, this is totalitarianism, and I see all of our rights uh, and freedoms being taken away. With this, along with the central bank digital currency that is coming forward, do you have anything to say about the, the Global Coalition for Digital Safety or the central bank digital currency? I'm not familiar with them per se, but I agree with you that you shouldn't have big tech determining what expressions are allowed on uh, digital platforms uh, and, and engaged in private censorship. And uh, obviously, if there's speech that's inciting violence, speech that's inciting harm to the public health, it's one thing that those things should be removed. But if it's just an ideological viewpoint, uh, then I don't want Mark Zuckerberg or Dorsey determining the boundaries of uh, what is acceptable discourse. So uh, I share your concern about that. Hi, David in uh, San Francisco. You're on the air with Congressman Kana. Regarding the infrastructure bill, I'm wondering, uh, the red states are starting to figure out that the uh, 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 vaccines might be a smart idea, but many of the red states are so rural that they've got to drive, you know, 50 miles or 150 miles to get to the nearest hospital. I'm wondering if we could uh, get the red state congressman to continue to put in bids into the infrastructure bill calling for public clinics. And, uh, Hmm. you know, whether you think uh, the uh, congressmen of these states, of course, they should be putting in bids for each of their own districts. And the way the uh, right-wing radio is portraying the infrastructure bill, they're pretending that the infrastructure bill is all very top-down instead of each congressional district putting in bids for what infrastructure needs to be uh, put together for their districts. So I'm just wondering if if there's some way that we could goose these uh, red state congressmen to put in for clinics into their area. David, it's a very reasonable suggestion. We can start by having the Congress people say that you should take the vaccine. We don't have even consensus on that. But after that, uh, absolutely, we should uh, have them put in uh, programmatic requests and expedite and approve any request that's genuinely going to help us achieve the vaccine goal. I believe the speaker would be uh, more than willing to do that. Uh, the Congress would be more than willing to do that. What we need is uh, for these Republican members of Congress to make those requests. Do you uh, we have 20 seconds. Do you do you think that they that the Republican Party at this point is capable of going beyond partisanship? It hasn't looked that way. I I think now where it's really a matter of life and death. And you you've had uh, recently, I mean, I think even the Alabama governor saying I don't he's he doesn't know what more he can do. He said that people should be taking vaccines. I think the reality is hitting them. And look, this is their communities. These are Americans. And hopefully on this issue, they will put politics aside. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. 
Dave in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You are on the air with Representative Connor. On these uh, electric uh, vehicles, have they made any plans on on discarding the spent batteries? I mean, even even with the um, hybrids, you know, all these lithium batteries. Do we do they have a what do they do once they're spent? David, I don't know the answer to that. I don't want to uh, speculate. I'm going to ask my staff to, uh, and uh, to do research and make sure that we have uh, an answer. And uh, if you follow up with us, I'm happy to, to give you one. David in Columbus, Ohio, you are on the air with Congressman Khanna. Thanks for listening to WGRN. Hi, uh, Congressman. Uh, you're doing a great job. Uh, you had a bill proposed to uh, reduce or eliminate the spending on that new uh, intercontinental ballistic missile. I just wondered how that went, and I, I, I contacted my representatives on that and asked them to vote and sponsor it. Also, there's a proposal to reduce defense spending by 10%. Is that still pending? David, I appreciate you raising both. I'm doing this with Ed Markey. We don't need to have new uh, ICBMs. First of all, the ICBMs are the biggest risk of uh, accidental nuclear war, because if you have uh, an airplane uh, delivering a nuclear weapon or a ship or a submarine, you can call them back. Once you launch an ICBM, you can't call it back. Secondly, they're actually the most strategically vulnerable. You can take out the ICBM in a way you can't uh, submarines or the Air Force. So anyone who's really studied this, like Bill Perry says, uh, you don't need to build new ICBMs. I mean, it's one thing to just maintain the current ones, and this is billions of dollars uh, that uh, we, we, we should uh, uh, not be spending. And so we, we have to build more consensus in Congress. Uh, Garamendi and Markey and a few others are doing uh, good work on it, and, and, and we're trying to build and we're trying to cut some of the defense, yes, on the 10%, because a lot of that goes to defense contractors. This is non-military benefits, non-military families. I think I read somewhere that uh, $20 million is the average CEO compensation at the top defense contractors, and $5 million is the average compensation of executives at defense firms. I mean, it's outrageous. David in Woodland Hills, California, you're on the air with Representative Khanna. Thank you. Uh, Congressman, America loves to war. We have always been at war somewhere. It is time for America to officially declare war on global warming. David, I agree with you that we have to have that kind of war-like mobilization to deal with the climate crisis, and we're seeing the impacts of it uh, in terms of the wildfires in my state, in terms of flooding, in terms of uh, the droughts because of uh, heat and, uh, and dryness. But we're also seeing it in terms of the international competition. The rest of the world is saying we're going to create standards, we're going to tax uh, manufacturers that have too high uh, emissions, and we don't want to lose export markets around the world by not being competitive. Bob, in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, you are on the air with Representative Connor. Yes, sirs. Thank you very much. And God bless both of you. It is a pernicious philosophy that proclaims freedom of choice or free speech or democracy while then attempting to be lawful about resistance to corporate tyranny. And uh, I just don't know why. Is it McConnell? Why? Uh, prohibition on the cannabis plant has not been lifted. Would you say it's some secret behind the doors thing that you got with China? It was using the plant as industry many, many, many years ago. 
Bob, I obviously agree with you. I think we made good progress on this issue when you have Senator Schumer now saying that we need to have the uh, legalization of marijuana. I'm confident we're going to get there. It's long overdue. Uh, It also is needed so we can have safe banking so that uh, you can actually have these industries emerge, and we need to make sure that the industries are diverse and equitable. But this is something that's time is is coming, uh, and and I'm very, very hopeful we'll get it done in this administration. Jeff, in Portland, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Good day, Tom and Representative Khanna. Thank you both for all you do. Uh, Representative Khanna, as you move to get the reconciliation and infrastructure bills across the finish line, in my opinion, Democrats can't continue with this laissez-faire approach to voting rights in the For the People Act, um, which really should be regarded as rebuilding our democracy infrastructure. Uh, Walter Bragman uh, in the Daily Poster has a piece titled The Decade's Biggest political deadline, and he's citing August 16th as that date. Um, That's when the 2020 census data will be released. And he argues without the For the People Act passed by then, the Republicans will start gerrymandering like crazy in a way that will lock in a GOP House majority for the next decade. Uh, Your thoughts, Congressman? And is President Biden doing enough to end the filibuster? Should we be calling, I'll be calling the White House? Thank you, Congressman. Jeff, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, look, the Supreme Court, the Roberts Court, has not said that citizen commissions and independent redistrict is unconstitutional. All they've said is Congress needs to act. I mean, they basically, in these court decisions, have said, Congress, act. If you want to have a fix to gerrymandering, we need to have this fix. So it's not just the voting rights. Obviously, we need to protect voting rights, protect people from being removed from the rolls, make sure polling places are are not uh, are put equitably in, in, in black and brown communities. But it's also this independent redistricting that is critical uh, for our democracy. And we should have a lot of pressure, in my view, to get rid of the filibuster, at least when it comes to saving our democracy. It seems like that's the number one issue in front of us. It really is in terms of the structural reform of our democracy, because we're not going to get the big progressive goals uh, if you have a minority of interests controlling government. Right. Who represent 41 million fewer Americans than do the Democrats in the Senate. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us today. Always enjoy it. Thank you, Tom. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lynn in El Segundo, California. Hey, Lynn, you're on the air. What's up? I share the concern of an earlier caller about the uh, new districts about to be drawn, gerrymandered on steroids, and uh, I haven't. Uh, I hope that you can um, uh, clarify my understanding of uh, the way things might ha- go forward. I understand that the recess is going to begin um, soon, like August sixth or something. Congress goes on vacation until or go goes out of D.C. until um, September. Mm-hmm. And is there any way that we can, um, as citizens, tell them, don't take your leave this time because we need to get the uh, J- John Lewis bill and the uh, uh, SB1 pass so that uh, the gerrymandering won't take place in August? Um, also, the, uh, my understanding, again, is maybe incorrect, but that the legislators and senators only work, they go in Monday morning, I mean, Tuesday morning, and they leave Thursday morning. So they're only working three days a week? They leave Thursday night. Um, it it, Thursday it night. depends on who's running the Congress and when. I'm not sure exactly how it's running right now. I know certainly when the, uh, when the Republicans were running Congress, that was the case you know, for the House. Um, I'm not sure about mm-hmm. the Senate. The uh, mm-hmm. Senate, Mitch McConnell, when he was just, you know, running an assembly line for right-wing judges, when he was running the Senate, he, he blew up the summer recess. He, they, they did not go into mm-hmm. recess during August. Instead, they just passed three or four judges every single day. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of people who are saying to Chuck, and this is Chuck Schumer's decision. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. who, are, who are trying to lobby Chuck Schumer to not have a summer recess for the Senate. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether he's going to go along with that, my personal sense of it is that at the senior levels, at the, the mm-hmm. Chuck Schumer level, and, and particularly with people like Dianne Feinstein, that mm-hmm. there is not this sense of urgency. And I think that they are mm-hmm. so misplaced in their confidence that American mm-hmm. institutions will withstand continuing assaults by the Republicans. The other day when they took the vote on the infrastructure bill and it did not pass, it was 51 against it. So I thought, well, there's 50 Republicans. Who's the one Democrat that voted no with Schumer. the Republicans? And I, it was Schumer. But it's not because he was realized, trying to block it. The only reason is that if he, if he had voted for it, he wouldn't have been able to bring it back to the floor again. But doesn't that seem like the cinema and mansion are kind of pushing him around? Yeah. Yeah, but they, you know, they're the swing votes. I mean, he he literally has to have a consensus. He has to have every single vote, which makes it very, very difficult. So, Lynn, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. Brian in Squim, Washington. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. I really appreciate your putting the emphasis on running out of time and the the lackadaisical attitude that some of the Democrats have. Comity is dead, and we don't seem to recognize this. All of the things that we've been talking about, the sustainable energy, uh, progressive programs, uh, they're, they're, they're great, but they're all going to become irrelevant if we do not hold on to Congress. Um, all I can say is I, I don't understand. No, I do understand Joe Biden. I know that he comes from a different era, and I do appreciate his his outlook but he's not he's not responding in a positive manner to this. He continues to dally with the Republicans over details. And I know he's he talking about how wonderful Rob Portman was the other day on that town hall meeting with uh, Don Lemon was just 
deplorable. It's a hard thing to come to terms with. You know, I've lost friends over the, the past few years because of our, our respective paths in, in terms of our philosophies and points of view. We cannot go on in this matter. You know, I think sometimes that uh, maybe part of our response and the reason that we say, for instance, haven't charged anyone with sedition, even though that book has written itself. It's obvious what people were doing. They've even said so. Maybe the idea is, is, well, we don't want to draw any hard lines that we're going to alienate people further. Forget it. They're already there. They're oh, done. No, no the, 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 know you know, the, the, the right-wing billionaires who now own the Republican Party are absolutely in take-no-prisoner mode. And they have been, totally. you know, for, for solidly for 20 years and arguably for 40 years. And I was the, watching, Go ahead. I was watching uh, MSNBC the other night, and on comes a commercial for Newsmax. Newsmax. You know, all the people who don't like Fox anymore, they've defected Newsmax. There was a poll done that said people who listen to Newsmax are twice as likely to refuse to be vaccinated. This is what's going on. People don't want to face the reality, and especially our leadership. They keep talking about brokering, negotiating, all the rest of this, when what they should be doing is putting the facts in front of their members and the leadership and saying, no. Yeah, they should have been done. doing what Mitch McConnell did you know, when he ran the Senate, which is just saying, we're going to get stuff done. We're going to get our stuff done, a, and we don't give a damn action. whether you guys want to go along with it or whether you like it or whether you don't like it or whatever. Harry in Lovelock, Nevada. Hey, Harry, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, uh, I'm a longtime listener of yours, and I seem to recall back in the 1980s when I was listening to you, you were in Europe during the Chernobyl crisis. Am I right? I, I was. I was. Uh, yes, I, I flew into Germany on May 7th, uh, just a few days after Chernobyl melted down. And then we moved to Germany in uh, at the end of June of, uh, of that same year. So, yeah, <laughs> we were very yeah, much yeah. there. Yeah, the question is, I think you were saying at the time you were using a scanner to mon uh, was. scan for radioactivity in your food. Have you since taken any precautions in, like, not buying any uh, pasta from Italy where they use uh, wheat from the steps, you know, from downwind of Chernobyl in yeah. Ukraine? I have not. Uh, you know, I, I have, I have yeah. the old uh, Geiger counter that was made at the farm in Somerville, Tennessee. I have that old yeah. one that I had when I was in Germany. And I also have a newer one that's much more sensitive and, and fancier. And I've, uh, on a couple of occasions, pulled them out and, and run through everything in my refrigerator and my cupboards and stuff. And, and around my house and around my yard just to see, you know, because that was one of the things Chernobyl did is it spit these, these particles. Um, and I'm not finding any, any evidence of any kind of radiation, uh, you know, here in Portland or in D.C. when we lived there. I had them with me there, too. So, uh, well, you know, I'm, I think we're good, Harry. That's a relief. Uh, you know, with Fukushima dumping, and they're going to dump even more of that radioactive water they've been storing yeah. into the Pacific. You mentioned the other day you're eating salmon, and I was wondering if you were concerned. Yeah, I've, I've, I have, I have looked at, you know, we, 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 eat, uh, we eat fish, Luis and I eat fish maybe once or twice a month, and so it's pretty rare. Um, but when there is, uh, I have tested it, and I've never been able to find any radiation. But, you know, we don't eat, like, the, the tunas, you know, the big fish that migrate from coast to coast and that might, might be carrying things, um, the, you know, we, we don't get into. So I just, you know, I don't know. But I think it's not a problem anymore. Harry, thanks for the call. Courtney in Sherman Oaks, California. Hey, Courtney, what's on your mind today? 
Oh, hey, Tom. I'm so excited. Um, I've been waiting for a reason to call you. First, I wanted to say it's amazing how you thread the line um, because there are some people with some really far out ideas and you always seem to like really still listen to them with respect, but you also make very clear about you know, your ideology and how you see the world. But the reason I'm calling is because of this idea of a wasted vote. I've always voted Democrat except for my first election, which was Perot. I was young, idealistic, 18. But um, after Biden's speech, I think a week ago, in Philadelphia, where he talked about voting rights, I was holding my breath waiting for him to say about the filibuster. I know. I was so upset. And um, I tweet, I tweet with, um, you know, you have to have um, the, the, you have to have a good filter for Twitter. But anyway, I tweeted and I got my most tweets back about forget it, let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to vote for progressive no matter what. I'm tired of this. Mm-hmm. And I got the most retweets and likes ever. And I want to know your opinion on this, but most of the retweets were like, we're with you. We're tired of this. And I understand Schumer and all of the you know levers that have to go on. I understand that it's not easy and maybe impossible, which is my question. But most of my tweets, retweets were in favor. Like, yeah, we're tired. I only got a few that were like, you're not serious. You're irresponsible, <laughs> which yeah. I understand, too. At the end of it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to still vote for them because I don't want to be under the rule of Republicans. What do you say about this wasted vote idea? At this point, it depends on the point. election and it depends on the time and it depends on where you are. Um, you know, there there are, um, uh, you know, for example, in 2000, I've, I've told the story a million times. You know, I voted for, for Ralph Nader in 2000 because I lived in Vermont and I knew that it wouldn't matter. And I wanted him, his voice and I wanted the Green Party to have a, a, a higher profile in American politics. Um, today, I would not do that. Um, uh, although here in Oregon, you know, it's, it wouldn't be that much of a crisis. Um, but it, it, it just depends on where you are. I, and I'm in California, but okay. Yeah. So discernment. Yeah. Okay. So it can't, doesn't yeah, I mean, have to be you were, If you were living in Wisconsin, just... <laughs> it would be a completely different thing or in Michigan, you know, or in Missouri, um, or, or, you know, a state that could go either way. Then, then, you know, it, then the partisan right. dimension of politics becomes so much more important. Uh, Courtney, I want to get, try and get um, one more call in you. here before the end of the hour. Thank you very much for the call. Gary in Chicago. Hey, Gary, what's up? Well, this call is about climate change rapture. You know, the reason evangelicals are half-hearted, lukewarm about climate change, because they think it's not their problem. Okay, they were going to be raptured. They weren't going to go through tribulation. But a quick trip to YouTube slash climate change, it shows ultra-dramatic climate change events. You know, we're in tribulation. There's not no, uh, um, you know, pre-tribulation rapture happening. You know, there's no good Christians going to heaven and leaving only bad people behind. It's time for them to, uh, you know, follow their own teachings. Genesis 128, you know, uh, be good stewards of the planet. Revelation 11. uh, I got it. Gary, you said it very well. Thank you. And special thanks to Louise Harmon, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer, Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick White, Geraldine Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Frost, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabber Mocky, Jay LeBlanc, Connor Arroyo, and Carne Verde. 
the folks who help make this program work. And thank you to all of all of you, to all of them. And thank you to you for participating in our program, for letting our sponsors know that you're listening, for letting our stations that are listener supported, for helping them out. Thank you so much. And have a great and blessed weekend. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Uh, be good to yourself and the people around you, too. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 